All right. So how do you feel? Are you excited? <laughs> I'm a, a little nervous because I haven't really done like podcast or anything like that before. So especially like recording myself is always uh, it's, it's always like, oh, how am I going to sound? I've only got one chance at this. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Every single time uh, you hear your voice, you hate it until right till probably about like a hundred hours of it or something i don't even know like it takes a long time before you just get used to the sound of your voice have you gotten used to yours yeah by now i'm definitely used to it like i'm editing podcasts and then making videos over the years and um Mm -hmm. eventually you just you just kind of stop realizing it and you're like this is how i sound that's whatever and you just accept it. Not not like saying it doesn't sound weird anymore. You just accept it and you don't care. Right. That's how I describe it. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like realizing you're bad at something. And then you just go like, man, that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's that's literally the definition of, of good self-esteem. It's valuing the things that you're good at and devaluing the things you're bad at. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little tidbit for you. Fun fact. Life lesson. We live in a time where the expectations for young people are pretty low. It seems like it's hard to be taken seriously when you're young, even in the church. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says to let no one look down on you for being young, but to set an example for others instead. Well, there's really no time like the present. So join me and my friends as we talk about what it means to be a young Christian today. My name's Alec, and this is Despised for Youth. Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, the latest episode of Despised for Youth. I believe this is episode 13, lucky number 13, uh, and this week I have a special guest with me today. I say that about all my guests, I'm realizing, bad habit, we need to break that, but he is a special guest. Uh, Noah, why don't you say hi? Hi. Perfect. So this is Noah, he's going to be he's gonna be on the show this week, and we're going to be talking about about music and specifically how music works with faith and how music makes its way into ministry. Uh, but you know, let's just, let's step back for a second. We're not going to dive right in. You got to warm up first. So uh, let's, let's get to know Noah a little bit. Clunky sentence, but Noah, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Noah. Um, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, I met our wonderful host here, Alec, in fake high school <laughs> yeah uh, wow you call it the same thing i call it well you called it that and then i started calling it that oh so <laughs> just just one All of right. the many ways that you've influenced me so um it was it was basically just like an extremely organized co-op do you think that's a good way of putting it yeah that's how i would put it yeah so it was Other like legally counts as homeschooled but you still show up and take your classes and there are still higher teachers that teach you Mm-hmm. And you did that how many years? I did that for four years, so ninth through twelfth. Okay, yeah, I th- I was only there for about two. Okay, but we had some overlap, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and like I didn't know you super well back then, um, but I remember this probably like the first memory that I have. I th- it might have been Grant actually. Either you or Grant <laughs> was going around signing yearbooks with cat pictures. Just like doing little doodles of cats. That sounds like Grant. Yeah. I remember like (laughs) 
There was one person he left a Gimli cat, so it was like a cat with a helmet and an axe. But anyway, that has to be Grant. There's no way. I digress. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good memory though. But yeah, Noah and I, uh, we met at fake high school, and the weird thing was. I guess I didn't see you for a while. I saw you randomly, like you would come to our youth group sometimes. And uh, mm-hmm. after I went to college, you know, we we're different cities. But then not that long ago, I remember st- I started to see you in random places or I started to hear about you randomly. <laughs> like like you showed up to my brother's food truck and, and uh, like I saw you at that conference randomly. And then all of a right. sudden you show up and you're leading worship at my church and I didn't know about it. Um, so you kind of made like an interesting <laughs> comeback into yeah. my awareness and I into yours. Yeah, well, it was actually like not to boast or anything, but I I take great comfort in being able to actually introduce you and Grant to the church that you're at now. Oh, yeah. I was actually the one like um, the church that you're at now. I was able to help out with it because uh, they have some ties with my church here in Jacksonville. And so after mm-hmm. I kind of got to know that church a little bit, I reached out to Grant and I was like, hey, if you know anyone that's looking for a church in Gainesville, this is a really good church. And then he messaged me back like, we're actually looking for a church right now. So, Oh, yeah. I think I remember him mentioning that, actually. And then uh, Tori and I, yeah, we looked into it not that long after. That's funny. I totally I totally forgot about that. You were very yeah. behind the scenes And then it was great because like, I was there your first Sunday there. And then, like, the friends that I became friends with on Facebook after that, like, you all would start showing up in their pictures. And I'm like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I made that happen. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Yeah, that, that was very effective, too. <laughs> it didn't take that much. Just a message, and it worked. So, uh, Noah, tell us a little bit. What do, you, what do you do? Are you still in school? Do you work? Where are you at in life? So, yeah, I'm currently working at a local restaurant on the weekends, and then uh, during the week, I'm in school. Um, Lord willing, I should be finishing my degree by the end of the year. So that's exciting and terrifying. Yeah, I'll say. Um, but yeah, so the plan is to go into computer science, probably like IT programming, something in that area oh, next year. Interesting. You know, that's actually what Trey is doing right now. And for all our listeners who... Uh, aren't aware i i probably haven't said anything about this uh trey is currently very busy he's actually going i think it's computer science or, i know he's going into it specifically but he's currently working his yeah, full-time I remember. job he's, he's like doing some special like online program is that what it is i think most of it's online but i'm not entirely sure i just know he's doing that and he's still working his job so he's just kind of slammed right now and uh he might not be on the yeah. podcast for a while so he didn't he didn't quit we didn't have a fight he just told me he's he's a, a little busy so we're we're exploring new venues and and thankfully we have people like noah who are interested in in being on the podcast uh and we greatly appreciate it yeah so. that's also another thing about me is i'm i may be this podcast's biggest fan yeah that is possible and definitely like, enjoy hearing from, that from the first it. episode i was hooked you were hooked from the first episode that's really saying a lot because we didn't even know what we were doing at that point <laughs> so moving on yeah. well uh, it helps that i was like this is someone i know this is someone who's doing a podcast that i like i know someone famous yeah i guess that doesn't happen very often and i wouldn't say famous definitely wouldn't say famous maybe someday 
with with the help of our our loyal <laughs> listeners. Um, so Noah, tell us a little bit yeah. about your experience with music because we're going to be talking about music, and uh, you alluded to to this a little bit already. But why don't you tell us more? Yeah. So uh, growing up. Um, if we're talking music in general, I grew up listening to a lot of like Christian contemporary, you know, it's like the, this was like back in the late 90s, early 2000s, whenever like DC talk, the, right? Like the Christian punk scene was big. So, you know, like Reliant K, Switchfoot, Thousand Foot Crutch. Good stuff. You know, it was, yeah, that, it was a big good stuff. world back then. Um, and so I grew up with that kind of music. And then I, I, I remember wanting to learn to play something even from like a really early age, but I I don't know. I just, maybe I was intimidated or just never got around to it. But um, it was probably around my sophomore year in high school. Um, I went to my dad and I was like, hey, I want to start learning to play something. So he handed me a guitar uh, and taught me like some basic chords. And I just kind of went from there. Wait, you only started as a sophomore in high school? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Well, it like I practiced. So I practiced a lot of music when I should have been working on my homework. It was it was kind of a way of stalling. Oh, so, gotcha. There's that. Um, <laughs> I, too, took advantage of fake high school a lot. Our teachers were very gracious. They were, they were too gracious at times. But yeah. Um, and so now you do a lot of ministry with music, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That came more recently because um, I wasn't really like... I played just for my own enjoyment and I learned, you know, like a lot of the sort of like non praise songs that I would listen to. Um, and then it wasn't, it really wasn't until actually it was, it was probably whenever um, your brother Grant, I talked to him about the sort of like youth group that you guys had been involved with. You were, you had already graduated at this point. So you were already in Gainesville. Mm hmm. But I was like, hey, if you're doing this thing again this summer, I'd love to help out in any way that I can. And he, he said, we actually don't have anyone doing music right now. Hmm. And I know that you play music. So if you want to help out in that way, you can. So that was probably my first experience with ministry was I led music for your like youth VBS at that church. Was um, it the stick? Is that what you're talking yes, about? Okay. It was the yeah. Stick. yeah, that was our... our for anyone who's not aware, that was our student-led youth group during the summer that took place when uh, scheduled programming was on break. Yeah. So that was kind of your, also your intro as, to it a little bit. Yeah, also known as some teens in Christian congregation. Yeah, you're right. I, I can't believe I didn't even give the, the anagram <laughs> or acronym. I was waiting for it. No, you mean um, uh, acronym. Yeah. Anagram is something else. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> like, like, here's a fun fact. Uh Alec Worthman, an anagram of that is Cartwheel Man. Oh. Just, just for your listening pleasure. That explains your username. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you, now you know all my usernames. I probably uh, probably could protect my anonymity better on the internet, but, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I understand now you do a lot of ministry at your church. Like, you, do you lead worship, or, or are you on the worship team, or what exactly do you do? occasionally yeah so basically whatever they need um it was as soon as i started getting plugged in at our church um which was after i graduated high school i i i mean obviously like music was a big thing that i was passionate about so i was like hey is there any way that i can help out and so 
I started playing for our uh, college and career group on Tuesday nights, um, backup guitar for that. And then I joined our Wednesday night music team shortly after that. So that was kind of my rhythm for a while was just Hmm. playing with the band on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And then um, they, at one point, uh, our church leaders approached me about starting to lead music for some of those services. And I was like, kind of... uh, wary about that at first because i was like i still i'm still like really immature in a lot of ways like i'm not sure if i want to be like the face of the church in that sense um because there there is like uh there's there's a sense of accountability and responsibility that goes with leading music for a service um so yeah and then probably like i think it was last year that i started um i finally stepped into that role and i started uh leading music every now and then and then that was it was last year that i came down and started uh leading music for your church a couple of times as well Mm -hmm. and i expect they're gonna ask you more about that pretty soon here (laughs) spoiler i always love coming to your church that's good because i think they're gonna need it soon um just as a fill-in but so that's cool you kind of jumped in head first it sounds like you went from uh I guess, you know, not doing anything. And then all of a sudden Tuesday and Wednesday and, and not long after even leading worship. So that's a, that's a, you had an, a quick entry into music, I would say, um, starting as a sophomore and then, you know, not that long later. And most people, I, I guess, when they play an instrument before they're up in front of other people, they have maybe like a decade of practice. I've, I've, well, I started playing violin maybe 15 years ago and I still am not confident in front of other people like playing in front of them. So <laughs> that's that's pretty admirable, I would say, or yeah, impressive. Part of, part of it is just getting over the nerves of being on stage. Is it is it hard when you're playing uh, playing guitar to, uh, like, I guess, play and sing when you're nervous? Um, That's a good question. I would say I, I think singing is harder, like, like singing on stage is harder than playing on stage because your voice can be affected by your mental state. Gotcha. You know, like if I'm nervous, then my voice is going to want to be shakier or yeah. like my, like my vocal cords might clamp down a little or something like that. Uh, but you know, like if I'm playing guitar, then um, there's, there's a lot less of how I'm doing physically that will affect that. Yeah. That's the same with violin where if you're playing violin and you get nervous, you might shake. And if you're shaking, that can really, mess it up because when you're bowing you know if you were to shake a little bit you could definitely hear it it would totally mess with uh the notes you were playing it wouldn't be smooth it'd be very stuttery and and evidently that is what happens to me when i play in front of other people on stage or anything um and i've i've been asked to do it multiple (laughs) times and it's been horrible every time i've always hated it (laughs) so i'm always impressed by people who can get up there and play music in front of other people yeah (laughs) it's um it's easier whenever you're you sort of like I, I think for me it's easier because I have more of like an introverted personality. Um and I did some like looking into like personality types and introversion and that kind of thing. And one of the things with introversion is you tend to thrive more when you're in control of the situation. Whenever like if I can go up on stage and be like, Okay, we're doing this, this, this and this then it's a lot easier than like if I'm in like a social mingling situation, I feel a lot more lost, even though everyone's attention may not be on me at the time. 
That's interesting. I haven't heard that explanation for like introversion, extroversion before. I'm going to remember that for sure. Uh, mm. Be very relevant to what I, I talk about at work a lot. I, I end up talking about introversion and extroversion a lot. So I'm going to keep that that <laughs> handy. Personality types are a very trendy topic right now. Yeah, they really are. But my my main problem is everyone wants to talk about the Myers-Briggs instead of the big five. And the big five, that's where it's at. Like that's the, those are the things that people uh, working in psychology and, you know, actively changing the, the literature uh, to get very, very academic. Um, they use the big five because it's a lot more grounded I in. I don't think I've heard of the big five. Oh, oh, great. I can talk about it. All right. So the big five, uh, they call <laughs> Here's it your platform. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get, well, it's not really soapbox, but I'm going to get up on it on my platform. Um, saddle up on my high horse so the the big five it's sometimes called the ocean traits because it stands for openness conscientiousness extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism and so you can okay i feel like i have heard these terms before but i don't you probably have yeah you probably have it's uh the reason why they use them more than the myers-briggs is because they're more uh they're associated better with i guess I don't want to say this, but they're associated more with um, certain physical traits. Like for one, um, women tend to be like a standard deviation, maybe not a standard deviation. They tend to be higher in agreeableness than men. And then men tend to be, I think, higher in conscientiousness. So there's there's various ties to physical and biological factors. And so that's why they use it a lot. But um Hmm. It's it's a very interesting one. I'd look into it and and for any listeners if you haven't if you haven't taken it there is a you can take a quick kind of like a rudimentary big 5 test. I think it's from truity.com. Um if you just google big 5 test free, you'll get one. It'll take like 5 minutes and it's 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 good. You know, if you don't know much about your personality or you're just interested in it, maybe you like the Myers-Briggs, it's a great test to take. It'll tell you some things about yourself that uh, are really interesting, I'd say. But we're getting we're getting very off topic. We got to move on. Um, <laughs> so, the kind of the meat of this podcast, what I want to spend more time on, is how does music interact with our faith? And Despised for Youth is very much a podcast about um, integrating our faith into all parts of our lives and uh, just having a developed worldview and an understanding of of. Well, I guess I'm just redefining worldview, an understanding of the things in our world and how to make sense of them through the lens of our faith. And so how does music fit into that? Is that too broad? um, No, that's perfect. Uh, Good, good. I would say, um, you know, thinking in terms of scripture, uh, like there are two main things. And one of them, like, obviously, like when you think of music and scripture, you think of the Psalms. So you basically have this entire book of the Bible that was it, it was written for God's people to sing to their God um, and to sing praises to him. Um, and so that's that's like a really clear Old Testament example. But something that uh, has been pointed out to me recently that I hadn't really realized before is you have very clear New Testament precedents for it as well. Um, and the most notable example for me is in uh, Colossians 3. Um, hmm, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> I'd be interested in where you thought I was going to go with that. Um, but yeah, in Colossians 3, Paul is um, talking about 
you know, like the kind of the point of the chapter is replacing the old man with the new man. So it's it's this idea of like putting off sin and putting on godliness. And at the end of his exhortation for putting on godliness um, in verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, Ah, So like, yeah, that's a good one. Even in the epistles, like, um, you know, the, the new Testament church also sort of thrived on this model of, you know, we stir our hearts to God through music. Yeah. And that reminds me of Ephesians. Um, That's another verse uh, or another book that comes to mind. I believe in the end of Ephesians, he talks about, um, or maybe I'm crossing, crossing things here, but I believe in the end of Ephesians, he talks about um, some of the ways that we, we express our, I guess our faith or our gratitude. Um, One of them is by singing songs and, I want to say, you know, before I continue talking, I'm going to just crack open a Bible here. <laughs> I remember this. Have you ever watched the Bible Project? No, uh, there's I've all heard these videos. Yeah, there's all these videos that kind of like uh, they give summaries of some Bible passages, and um, it's it's good. I think it's good when you're reading a book, like when I'm reading through a book and I'm trying to really understand it. I'll. Uh, I'll watch the the Bible Project video several times, like over the course of reading it, and it just kind of reorients you to the uh, the main point. And so you kind of, I think I get more out of it knowing where something's going uh, before you just try and dive into it. Like, especially if you're listening to a sermon that's going maybe like a couple verses at a time, it can be pretty easy to lose sight of what the whole book's about when you're, when you're going off on tangents different ways occasionally. Right. Um, and so kind of just having a, a good idea of the main point can be, it's really helpful for me at least. Oh, it is Ephesians. I found it. In the end of Ephesians, um, he says, uh, and do not uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, which is pretty much the same as what you just read. Right. Yeah, there are a few similarities between the two books because they both have a section on uh, how wives and husbands are conducting each other like around each other and right right there's there's a lot of like the same commands given in both books in that section yeah that's paul i guess <laughs> you know doing his paul thing <laughs> we've, all, we've all got our issues we love to talk about alec come on chill this is an apostle we're talking about oh, where were we going with this i kind of you asked how music little... fits into our faith yeah 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 um um yeah i think um one of the other things that stood out to me recently uh that people have pointed out is just the way that music ingrains content in our minds you know like um you know like i still struggle to memorize just like a short section of scripture but you know like i Mm -hmm. could quote like any song that reliant k ever did to you yeah just because it it was like it was written to music so whenever you're you're singing something it just there's just something about music that ingrains it in your head better than anything else so like definitely i i can't help but think that that's part of like god's designed order for creation 
in uh in even like how it plays into where you see it in scripture and how it plays into just our daily lives that mm-hmm. whenever we like it, it ingrains it so much more in our heads whenever we sing truth to ourselves than just whenever we uh, preach truth to ourselves if that makes sense yeah definitely um there's something special about about what music does to content uh where i i've noticed for me personally every sunday we'll sing you know several songs during the sunday service and then one always gets stuck in my head and you're kind of just singing it in pieces throughout the rest of the day like you go and you're getting a cup out of the pantry and you're like singing this song to yourself or you know you go and you sit down to do some work and it's the same thing and and i think you're right that there's something about um ingraining i guess these praises on our mind and on our hearts um, to just continually come up. And that's something that I think goes a lot with Paul's commands there, where he says singing and making melodies. Um, I think that's a great picture of what what a Christian looks like, and especially in the joyful times, I guess, you know, if you're having in a really rough period, you might not be singing as much, but um, it just comes out in this joy where you where you, you sing these praises and, and it's almost like these yeah. songs are a gift to us. I think even in the hard times, music is can be a very valuable tool. Cause like, you know, like I th- I think of um, uh, whenever you read the Psalms, there are a lot of Psalms where it it doesn't feel like the psalmist is like euphoric in his emotions. Uh, <laughs> some of the Psalms, it feels like they are going through really hard times, um, and it's it's actually the yeah, music. Right that helps them take their attention off of themselves and back onto Christ. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of, um, I don't remember which Psalm it is, but there's one of them where the sort of the refrain throughout the Psalm is why are you cast down on my soul? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's actually in two different Psalms. Yeah. I, I know I've, I've read, parts of martin lloyd jones is uh spiritual well it's the spiritual yeah spiritual depression yeah exactly and it's basically uh just a collection of his sermons and um have you read that i haven't i've read excerpts from it okay yeah i've only read i think maybe like the first five sermons or something but one of them he talks a lot about those two psalms and i can't remember what they are but one of them is you're right he says why are you downcast all my soul and then in the second one i think it's a little more hopeful yeah, but I I think the first one that you mentioned, which is the one I'm thinking of, um, it's it's a very clear like I'm I'm preaching to myself, which is something that um, Martin Lloyd Jones talks about talks a lot about in his book. Um, mm-hmm, definitely. In you know, and whenever you see that refrain of "Why are you cast down on my soul?" what he immediately transitions into after that is praising God. Um, like it's it's basically he's saying like don't focus on this focus on this instead yeah doesn't he say something like uh trust in the lord for like he is your countenance and your strength or something like that yeah that's a good point he does he does go very quickly from you know talking about the the things that are troubling him to preaching to himself and then immediately praising i haven't i hadn't thought about that yeah and even just like on a very transparent note like if I'm going through something really difficult, I've had times where like I'll I'll have like a really hard conversation or I'll I'll just be like struggling with my flesh and I'll be like, oh, I was really selfish that whole time. 
and then I'll get in the car and on the drive home, I'll just put on like a more sort of like tormented song or like like a song that is is more like lamenting than just praising. And yeah, I'll just like start like screaming along with those lyrics because it's it's a way of it's therapeutic for me. What songs specifically uh, do that for you? I, I definitely have a few in mind for myself. So the first one that comes to mind, and this is, I feel like this is the one of the ones that I go to a lot. Have you heard of Andrew Peterson? He may be my favorite artist. Like he's definitely the one Christian artist that I'll recommend to everyone. You should look him up. But um, he has a song called Come Back Soon. And it's basically... Um, element for the depravity of man like the whole song like the the chorus goes um we wake in the night in the womb of the world we beat our fists on the door we cannot breathe in this sea this swirls so we groan in this great darkness and then um what hits me especially whenever it gets to the bridge is he starts like he almost like transitions into this like i mean he's got a very soothing voice so it's not like he's like screaming in an unpleasant way but he he you can sort of hear the the desperation in his voice where he starts singing mm-hmm. um but we cannot read these angel tongues we cannot stare at the burning sun and we cannot breathe with these broken lungs so we kick in the womb and we beg to be born deliver us um so that's that's one that like always it's it's a very poignant song and it always feels very appropriate for anything i'm going through cuz it's so like central to the human condition yeah that's it's it's very much like the uh like the maranatha cry in a way where mm-hmm. uh, i think paul says you know the world's under the pain of groaning and pains yeah, of childbirth yeah wow you know your bible <laughs> we got the sword drills champion over here well i know romans well <laughs> that's a good book to know well that's it's uh, one of my favorites for sure i think uh one of the songs i i don't know None of, none of the others are coming to mind uh, right here, but I'm not even sure if this is a Christian band, but I'm fairly certain uh, there's a song called Rescue by the band Seabird. Okay. I want to say it's Seabird. Have you heard that? I'm, I'm wanting to think I've heard of them before, but I haven't heard their music. <clears throat> um, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure if it's a Christian song, but the lyrics themselves i think it's kind of like one of those saint augustine things where saint augustine said they're augustine however you say it um (laughs) he says you know when and i'm gonna totally butcher this quote but he says more or less when uh unbelievers you know show something or 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 speak something that's like wisdom or it's true but it's you know it's missing the core aspects of of truth we take that and we we inform it with the gospel and we utilize it for ourselves and that's kind of how i view some Mm -hmm. songs where you know if you can read into it and you can be like yeah this kind of you could if you think of this the right way it is like a gospel sort of thing like they're just missing the gospel um right if it's not a christian song that's what it is but uh, it goes something like um well, the chorus, he, it says, like, somehow the grave has captured me. Show me the man I used to be just when I feel my breath is running out. Uh, the earth moves and you find me alive but unworthy, broken and empty, but you don't care. And it kind of goes on, but the whole, like, the chorus is like, you are my rescue. And so I very much read that as a gospel thing where it's identifying, like, our depravity and our need for God. Um so that's what mm-hmm. I like, and it's very it's very melodramatic too, which is you know I'm a sucker for yeah. that. 
<laughs> I'm gonna look yeah, up Andrew one of Peterson. My favorites. Yeah, I'm actually about to mention another Andrew Peterson song. He has a song called Mountains that, um, whereas Come Back Soon is is very much just kind of like lamenting. I feel like Mountains deals with very hard issues, but in a more hopeful sense. So I really like going to that mm-hmm. one as well, where each each verse is him singing about like just like some like very worldly issues that may happen. And the second verse especially is him sort of dwelling on his own sinfulness. Um, and there's a great line near the end of that verse where he says, I wish that I was half the man I wish that I could be. Um, but then the chorus, um, it, it's a very sort of like flowery, poetic way of putting it. But the chorus basically goes, uh, there are mountains. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. But the basic idea is that he he sings about mountains growing um, underneath the ocean. So it's this idea of like, there's so much going on under the surface that you don't see. There are so many ways that God is at work that you don't see. Hmm. I was expecting it was going to be something about uh, like a mountaintop sort of experience, but that's a that's a very interesting use of, uh, of, I guess, the term mountains. I don't know if... Is that something that happens in nature? Mountains like from tectonic plate movement underwater? I don't know. You know, this is this is beside the point. Yeah. Forget I'm an me. artist, not a scientist, so... Exactly. Well, that actually leads into my next question. I was going to ask, have you experimented much with writing songs yourself? So I experimented with it a little in high school. Um, so I look back, I don't know, like, I was I was saved at the time, so I was definitely, like, singing... In, in a way, like, I was doing the very thing we've been talking about. I was preaching truth to myself. Um, so there, there, there are a couple of songs that are basically like, um, you know, dealing with, uh, my own sort of like introspective struggles and things like that, but then also transitioning that into trusting in God's promises. But I look back on them now and I see a lot of teen angst (laughs) that I'm kind of embarrassed about. (laughs) So I don't know. There's still something therapeutic about me playing them to myself at times because it, it, it's almost like a nostalgic, like it reminds me of um, the way that God has continued to be faithful throughout my life. But yeah, definitely. I haven't written anything that I feel like is is publish worthy, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Nothing you want to post on YouTube right. or Spotify. <laughs> there's there's plenty of other... Uh, <laughs> That that's a very flooded market. So <laughs> that's that's true. Well, uh, as someone who has posted his fair share of crap on YouTube, let me tell you, there's there's nothing better for getting better at something than just putting your attempts out there and, and just trying true. to do better yeah. each and every time. Yeah, and especially like if I go back and listen to, well, like you're a Reliant K fan, so you you've probably heard their debut album. Uh, you mean. Like the album Reliant K? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I'm I'm thinking through, like, pretty much all of my favorite bands, they grew. as Like, it. what it took was them just getting out there and making music. And then it yeah, was through that yeah. process that they, they sort of learned to refine themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I heard a quote from, it's actually another podcast uh, where... Uh, well, you know, not important, but one of the guys said something and he was talking about making content. Like, I, I don't know if it was specific to anything, but I, I think he was talking about making videos. He said, um, 
if you always if you always stop whenever you think something's not good enough and you're not willing to put it out there, you're never going to get better because the way you get better is you actually try and then you put it out there. And and that's when you you know you get feedback, you you look at it later and you see, you know, how you can improve and um if you're never willing to do that because you're not good enough you're not making things that you like enough you're never gonna get any better and i can say for sure like when i started making youtube videos again it was um it was like the best i could do at the time and now i look back on them and i think like i don't even like these anymore like i don't think they're good but if it weren't for those i wouldn't have learned from them and gotten more skills to do things that i wanted to do in the future and i i would imagine it's the same for songwriting as well right yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that you took down some of those videos because I thought they were funny. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, they're still up there. I think they're just unlisted or something. But, um, you know, at some point, the cringe is too high. And right. when you make your second comeback on YouTube, you know, you rebrand yourself and <laughs> and that's what you do. So, which is it's a shame because one of those videos got 23,000 views and um I'm pretty sure if I put it back up no one would find it but still it's the best I ever did and it's one of my least favorites <laughs> That's... but as Arthur Conan Doyle <laughs> has has shown us you can't choose what you're famous for <laughs> Um, So you talked a little bit about Relying K. I want to move into this is a little bit more of the cash side of the conversation. And um, this has been an interesting episode of the podcast because I feel like we've gone all over the place. But that's what I like doing. We've you know, we talk about music and faith, but we have a lot of a lot of tangents. But I think I think we generally covered the core issue. Um, So you mentioned a little bit that you like bands like Reliant K and you grew up listening to a lot of Christian uh like punk and rock and um things like that. What do you think about how our personal listening of music, whether Christian or not, how how that interacts with our faith? Or maybe put differently, how does how should our faith inform the music that we're listening to? Yeah, I think um I like what you said earlier, um, where you were talking about that Saint Augustine quote um about you know like whenever like even if we listen to an unbelievers well even if we're just engaging with art in general it doesn't have to be music um that's a worldly artist who has taken the world around him and uh used it for his own creative expression and so in a sense like you still you see um the sort of depravity of the world communicated in that in you know the the present condition that this world is in but um you also see just the common grace communicated in communicated in that that um you know there there are people that are making art about the world that god has made um and so mm-hmm. you know like if i'm listening to music um i'm trying to think there's actually have you heard of punch brothers I'm not sure if I okay, have. They're like a bluegrass hipster bluegrass band, I guess. They play bluegrass instruments, but when you think bluegrass, that that's not what they sound like. Um, but but they, um, I was thinking about them when you were talking about that earlier because they write a lot of music that um, deals with sort of very like um, hard, like you know they'll they'll sing about you know sort of the futility of um, of this life and and they'll sing about you know like pursuing some joy 
and having it just like not be fulfilling enough. Um, and then more, more recently, they they released an album a couple of years ago that was it was a concept album basically about technology and uh, the digital age that we live in and like dealing with smartphones and that kind of thing. And so a lot of their songs were basically like, OK, how do we like I listen to their music about that and I think it's really insightful. Like they, they have some really good insights into sort of like how technology works, but also how we react to it and how like we we basically we still seek connection with other human beings and we use technology as like a convenient, comfortable means to do that. Um, but anyway, when I'm when I'm listening to bands like that, like I I hear it and I'm like, they they understand this world so much and all that they're missing is Christ but like I, I can still listen to their mm-hmm. music and be like, yes, that's this world is futile. Like as a Christian, I probably understand that even more than you do. Um, but yeah, even like when you're referring to um, just like what songs you select, that's, you know, I, I have a pretty like eclectic mix of both Christian music and non-Christian music for that reason. Um, but I do, you know, like, like I was just saying, you know, they, unbelievers who write music they only have half of the picture um right. so yeah. at, you know at some point like i need artists like andrew peterson who can be like okay there's there's the world but then there's also christ there's also the spiritual side to this world um right i think maybe you have to assess every person needs to assess for themselves how much is what you're listening to affecting you and for me personally i listen to music Pretty much just when I want to hear something. And for the most part, I only listen to things that sound good. I don't care about the lyrics Mm. for the most part. I listen to a lot of weird stuff. Um, And uh, I'm going to ask you about what you listen to in in just a minute here. So uh, be prepared. Yeah, if I I can just piggyback off of that, like, um, Mm -hmm. I I think that is like most people before they ask themselves, is this true? They ask themselves, is this catchy? And so, you know, like, that's why hmm, pop music yeah. is such a big thing where you can, you know, you, you can have music that sounds good, but doesn't really have much content to it. Um, and so that's something that, like, I I don't think it comes naturally to me, but I think over the past several years of, um, you know, e- even like being in music ministry and learning to, like, try to point people to the truths that they're singing about, that's become a big deal for me is that, like, okay... If I'm listening to something, is it, it it doesn't matter so much to me anymore whether it's catchy because, you know, like, I think the truly, like, the albums that really stick with me are the ones that once I kind of break past that barrier of like, okay, I've engaged with the lyrics and I sort of understand what this song is about. Um, and then it's so much more powerful to me than just like, oh, this is easy listening. Like, I enjoy listening to this while I'm on the road. Right. And I guess it's sort of a cost-benefit analysis where you have to think, how is this affecting, uh, I guess, my affections for for God mm. and and what's it doing? And, and, you know, if you're listening to something and it's not affecting you, you know, that's fine. But if, if you've noticed something is uh you know affecting you negatively maybe it's making you uh more likely to react in anger or just be complaining or you know there's a a whole a whole breadth of things that could happen but if it's if it's causing you to you know 
go away from God, more or less, um, for lack of a better term, then it's something that you have to assess whether or not it's worth it. And, and things that draw you to God and cause you to praise, you know, those are obviously good things. But um, it's certainly something that I think everyone kind of has to just ask and examine about their own lives and see what they're doing. Right. And and here's that, uh, um, I might just cut this in later, but um, the Augustine quote that I, that I, I mentioned, um, I found it from an article in the Gospel Coalition, but this is the, this is the quote. It says, Augustine once said that if pagan writers have said things that are indeed true and are well accommodated to our faith, uh, that their insights should be taken from them as unjust possessors and converted to our use, just as the Egyptians had not only idols and grave burdens which the people of Israel detested and avoided, so also they had vases and ornaments of gold and silver and clothing which the Israelites took with them secretly when they fled, as if to put them to a better use. Um, and this was from an article in the Gospel Coalition called How to Understand the Jordan-Peterson Phenomenon. So that's the quote. Um, I actually had a quote pulled up that um, I wasn't sure if there was a good place to cut this in, but I do want to mention it because I feel like it's it's very um, relevant to what we've been talking about, especially as far as like how mm-hmm. emotion and faith <clears throat> intertwine, like how like how like when we're dealing with sort of like the cold um, objective truth of scripture, like how does our emotion mm-hmm. play into that and how does in turn, how does our creative expression play into that? So uh, one of my favorite um, quotes that deals with that is from Alastair Begg, which I love Alastair Begg. He, he might be like my Gerard Hemmings in a way. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of like the same thing because he's, you know, from the UK. Right. Yeah, I just that might be part of it is he's just got That's such really a great fun. accent. Like to some extent, I don't even care what he's talking about. I just like listening to him talk. But yeah, um, he he talked about um, sort of your your emotion when you're showing up to church. Um, and I'll, I'll just read this here. If I told you how I feel, especially in light of the last five minutes, you would question whether I was even a Christian at all. So don't ask me that question. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what I know about his word. Ask me what I know to be a verity that can deal with my soul. That's what I need. Don't make me sing songs about how I feel. Um, goodness, at half past eight on a Sunday morning, I'm barely ambulatory. I can't, I can't start there. And you want me to say that? I just kicked the dog. <laughs> I don't even have a dog. I got in an argument with someone because they took my parking space. I spilled my coffee. I didn't read my Bible. I'm a miserable wretch. And now you want me to start here. How do you feel? I feel rotten. That's how I feel. What do you got for me? The answer, nothing. I got nothing for you. Um, so I, I just like his perspective there. It was like, yeah, that's yeah a good e- even going back to what you were saying before with, you know, like music being there when, you know, you're sort of on an emotional high, like that, I think that's, that's one of the most needed things about having music incorporated into the worship service is that, and this is why usually you have the music portion before the sermon, is you know like if you if you show up to a church service having just come from you know like whatever worldly things you've been doing your heart is going to be tempted to be distracted by all of these other things that are going on in your life and so that's that's where i think the music is very helpful to sort of like reorient your mind and be like no this is what matters focus on the eternal not the temporal um 
so yeah, I just I I really like that aspect of how music works in the Christian life. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think uh I'm guessing Alistair Begg's quote was kind of a hot take on how a lot of worship is done nowadays. Um so I w- I would definitely agree with him on that. Um so last question I have uh before the end of the show is I feel like this is just obligatory. What kinds of what bands are you listening to right now? Um so a lot of I'm I'm going to do like little free promotion here. There's a group called The Rabbit Room, which I'm guessing you haven't heard of. Um I've heard something called The Rabbit Room, but I'm guessing it's not the same thing. Okay. Well, if you're familiar with The Inklings, no. Okay. See basically like The Inklings were a group of Christian authors. So that was like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Oh, Tolkien. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard I of think, the group. I, I didn't know they were called that. George MacDonald. But anyway, yeah, so it was, it was a group Chesterton. of Christian authors. and Yeah, G.K. Chesterton. Um, and they met in a room called the Rabbit Room. Oh, um, okay. And so um, there's a group in Nashville now, which, um, and I'm coming back to Andrew Peterson, of course. Andrew Peterson started this group called the Rabbit Room, named after that room. Um, so it, it kind of follows in that tradition. Um, and the idea is basically like, it's a collective of Christian artists of any kind, like music, visual art, writing, anything like that. Um, and it's just, it's basically like a group for people to brainstorm, critique each other's work, but also there's the spiritual side of like praying for each other, supporting each other spiritually, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the music I listen to usually comes out of that group. So like, obviously Huge fan of Andrew Peterson. <clears throat> um, there's also a band called the Grey Havens. I've heard which of them. Is, yes, I really like the Grey Havens. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a there's a band called the Arcadian Wild, which they're a little more like... They, you can definitely hear the Christian influence, but their lyrics aren't as like explicitly Christian. Um, and I listen to... Like whenever I like need just something on in the background, I listen to a lot of Wolfpack. Ooh, um, that was one of my tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my one of my friends uh, in our church introduced me to him, to them like a couple of years ago. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, Grant um, actually just sent me uh, for my birthday last Sunday. Um, he sent me a Wolfpack hoodie, and I've got it right by <laughs> me right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think mainly what I a lot of what I listen to is is those four bands right now. Well, I'm so excited band. you just said Wolfpack. Honestly, yes. like that that made the podcast for me because no one ever knows who Wolfpack is. Yeah, because you mentioned it in your last podcast, and you were like, nobody knows who these people are, and I'm like, I know. Wait, did I? Yeah. Oh, or interesting. Wait, it was in one of the previous podcasts. I remember you mentioning it before. Apparently, I I'm just like a broken record because I said the exact same thing. So. That's great. <laughs> what was that? What, you were just about to mention another band. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say there's another band that I'm saving for what's been working for me. Oh, okay, sounds good. Um, I guess just to kind of join in there, the bands that I have mostly been listening to is I have also been listening to a lot of Wolfpack. And for anyone who uh, is not familiar, it's it's a great it's a great band. It's great driving music, great studying music, great chilling music. Like it's honestly great for everything. Um, so Wolfpack is on there. I've also been listening to a lot of Reliant K, uh, ever since like two years ago, I've really gotten back into them and that's, um, best Christian rock band of all time, in my opinion. 
Um, someone <laughs> might disagree, but they're wrong. more so than Five Iron Frenzy. They're ska. I I think they're not really they're not really competition. Oh, okay. But Five Iron Frenzy is is good, but in an embarrassing way that I don't want to admit that I like them. <laughs> More of a guilty pleasure. My type gosh, music. I know, like I know the lyrics to probably like every single Fire and Frenzy song, and it's kind of well before their their revival, um, and it's kind of embarrassing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever like show anyone a Fire and Frenzy song and be like, I really like this, because uh, yeah, that'd be <laughs> exactly you. You know what I mean? You show someone something, it's vulnerable. Um, and then the last band I've been listening to a lot lately is They Might Be Giants, and. You can kind of tell probably okay. what my tastes are like from the three bands I just listed there. It's very eclectic, but yeah, they might be giants. That's that's been my jam lately. So those are my my go tos. But um, without further ado, Noah, as a loyal listener and and someone who's very very familiar with how we do things around here, I have to ask you, what's been working for you lately? So I thought about this and. I mean, there's a, there's always multiple things that are working for me, but since we were talking about music, uh, I felt like the most relevant thing to mention that's been working for me is there's a group called Psalos. I believe it's the Greek word for music. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. That's pretty over the plate. It's spelled P S A L L O S, um, and they do concept albums to an extreme. Uh, every album they release is one of the New Testament epistles set to music. Interesting. Yeah. So their first album was Romans. Um, their second album was Hebrews. And actually, just like within the next couple of months, I think their next one is coming, which is Jude, which I'll be interested to see how they handle that. Cause this... Jude is such an interesting book. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I've I got hooked on Romans first. I listened to that a lot over like the last couple of years or so, but then I just got Hebrews this past Christmas. Hmm. So most of 2019 I've been listening to a lot of their Hebrews album and what's like what's really been working for me with it is that it's like it it's good music, it's fun music, it's music that draws my mind to truth, but it's also like oddly enough been like a really good Bible study tool. Yeah, where definitely like I've been I've been like listening to it over and over and over. And so now like I have such a good well, I have a better idea <laughs> of of what Hebrews is actually about where like and you were talking about this earlier about like, you know, you can get so lost in the minutia of like, hey, let's do a sermon on these two verses. And then you lose sight of sort of the big picture, especially with the epistles, because they were letters that were meant to be like read all in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so like with listening to that album, just like start to finish, um, I've like I had never realized before that like a big part of Hebrews is the author, whoever it was, was uh, basically arguing that Christ is better Um better than you know and and he's sort of like walking through like all mm -hmm. these different examples in hebrews he's like he's better than the angels he's better than moses he's better than all these high priests that we had he's better than Mel melchizedek um and so it's it's as a letter written to the hebrews he's basically saying like christ is the fulfillment of all of these things that you've had so far um and then one of the other big themes that's really stood out to me is um just this idea of staying faithful 
um because throughout the book you have all of these warnings given basically saying like um and probably the the most sort of uh terrifying one is the one given in near the end of hebrews 10 where he he's basically saying like um you know you've already experienced truth you've already had the gospel preached to you you've already sort of like claimed this faith so Mm -hmm. how much worse is it now for you to like sort of trample god's gift under your foot um and so it's 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 a book of extremes where it's like there's extreme warning um and it's terrifying in that sense but it's always followed up with this comfort of like so stay faithful um it sounds like you this really is... have learned a lot of Hebrews from this. Like, it sounds like you really, yeah. you really get. This is probably the, the longest about, what's so been working for cool. you that you've ever gotten. But, but yeah. So all of that to say, um, you should look up Salos because if you listen to their albums, then they'll do that to you. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna look them up because that's that's pretty interesting. And I, I, I think I have listened to the, uh, the Bible Projects video for hebrews and you know they said a lot of the same things you said so i was like dang this this noah guy he knows this hebrews <laughs> i owe it all this Alice. good good well and god but yeah of course so now you gotta so ask it's me. alec what's been working for you well i'm glad you asked noah um you know i had to think long and hard about uh what kinds of things have been happening in my life lately and and what's uh been coming out on top and i came up with a couple but i'm gonna narrow it down so one of the things that's been working for me is omeprazole, and that is a a proton pump blocker. And so for anyone who's not very scientifically inclined, a uh, proton pump blocker affects the acid in your stomach, and it prevents your stomach from producing too much acid. And so I was recently to the doctor, and I said, hey, doctor... I'm having pain all the time and I can't drink coffee anymore. And they said, this sounds like acid reflux. And they prescribed some omeprazole and boy, has that changed my life. So I'm drinking coffee again. (laughs) And that's been wonderful uh, because I really need the energy in the morning. The other thing that has been working well for me um, is... I've recently, I've recently gotten back into to playing some games on on my Nintendo Switch. So I received that as a as a wedding gift, and I hadn't touched it that much recently. But then I decided to start playing some Darkest Dungeon again. So for those of you who aren't familiar, okay. I've um, heard of that. You've heard of that one? I haven't. Oh, okay. So it's um, it's kind of like you know how life. Um, bad things happen and sometimes you're like well I gotta make the best of this now because my car just broke down or something like that that's darkest dungeon so you go in and you're like I'm just trying to you know get these things done I'm just trying to go through and and win the game but all my best characters are getting killed off all the time and I'm just trying to like figure this out it's like equally as stressful as it is fun. So it's it's a very unique experience where like sometimes you put down the game because you're like, yeah, it's been long enough. And sometimes you put down the game because you're, you're thinking like this is I'm going to kill this game if I if I keep playing it right now. And so it's it's just a you good amount quit. of. Ch- yeah, exactly. It's a good amount of challenge. And I think that's what that's what you really need in a game is you need you need a challenge, something that you have to learn to overcome. And so I've, I've been enjoying that a little bit. Um 
I've, I've been known to bounce around and return to games in the past and and that's one i've um played before and really enjoyed and recently returned to and uh the nice thing is as you get older you get a worse memory and i mean i'm not that old but still you know i have to worry about school and stuff so i forgot everything right. about the game and so it's like playing it for the first time and so that's fun <laughs> So youth isn't all it's cracked up to be because you can't relive these experiences, but I just relived Darkest Dungeon again. Yeah. Well, then the trade-off there is that you don't have as much time to play Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, the thing is like, will you ever actually finish it? Will I ever beat the Darkest Dungeon? I might not. And I have never beat the game. So we'll see. Yeah. Med school starts in two months. Uh, you know, we'll see how much uh, how much I can get done. Well, anyways, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, I I really enjoyed this one. I I think it's it's good. I like I like when the conversation flows really naturally and we just head every which way. And uh, I actually like it more when it takes effort to stay on topic because that just goes to show <laughs> it's a natural conversation. It's not planned. Um, so Noah, thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, it was yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you on again uh, another time uh, if you're so inclined. But um, to all our listeners, thank you for for joining us for another episode. As always, you know, you can leave us a review on iTunes or give us a like on Facebook and we'd really appreciate it. If you have any suggestions or questions for us to talk about, uh, despiseforyouth at gmail.com. But otherwise, uh, we appreciate you listening as always and joining us to talk about, you know, what it means to be a Christian youngster today. So again, we appreciate you listening and we hope to... See you on the next episode. This podcast contains our opinions on all subjects discussed. All opinions given should be tested against scripture. Church membership, regular attendance, and submission to pastors and or elders is recommended for optimal growth in your faith. If you find yourself relying on podcasters and celebrity pastors for the main source of truth in your life, please repent immediately and consult the nearest Bible.